This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. So many times we can look at the wrath of God. But you know what? We need to be encouraged by that mercy. As a matter of fact, the Word tells us that it's His kindness that really draws us to repentance. It's one thing to, again, fall before God because you fear the destruction of this mighty and this awesome God. It's another thing to fall before this God because you're overwhelmed by His mercy and His kindness. Do that study on the mercy of God. Oftentimes, the God of the Bible is made out to be an ogre or an unreasonable tyrant. He's thought to be a God who's cold and unloving, but that's not the case. If you were to read his scriptures and have a relationship with him, you would know that he's not that way. God is righteous, and yes, he does have a standard that his children are to live by. But that standard is given to us for our good, because he loves us. He's kind and full of mercy. He wants to see us succeed in this walk of life. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 1 with part one of our message entitled, Multiplied Blessings. You know, people all around the world have different types and ways and styles of greeting each other. This morning, if you were a Vulcan, your greeting would be, live long and prosper. Uh, depending upon what part of the country you come from, uh, our country, this nation, you might have even other ways of greeting. I come from a culture that uh, their greeting is, is hey y'all, how you doing? And it doesn't matter if there's one of you or if there's 12 of you. It was still, hey, y'all, how you doing? And the next question that would come is, how's your mama doing? And they never ask about dad. They always want to know how your mama is doing. And uh, so that's how that greeting goes. Other parts of the country, well, like in Israel, another country, they use the word shalom, which means peace. And shalom is a word that they use both in coming and going. So whether you know whether you're coming or going, you can just say shalom and you're going to be within the right uh, direction of, of how it goes. In all of, uh, pretty much all of the letters to, in the New Testament, the letters to the churches and a couple of letters to uh, individuals, there are greetings that are given. And in most of those, we see a, a typical greeting. There's a typical greeting that goes within the Roman culture itself, which is where these men were living when they wrote these things. The typical Roman greeting is just mercy and peace. That's not necessarily a Christian greeting, but just within that culture. We see the same kind of greeting here in uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 2, and we see as Jude writes, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. I want you to back up with me to verse 1, and we're going to, I know, I know, I know, we're supposed to be moving forward, but uh, this is all Jude's introduction, his, his greeting to you. We might write a greeting, we usually put our greetings at the end of our letters in the uh, biblical times, they put them at the beginning. So Jude writes, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. I think it's kind of interesting, too, as we look at the New Testament. 
in nearly all of the writings, uh, the writings of Paul, the writings of Peter, the writings of Jude and John, we, we see similar types of greetings through it all, except James. James just kind of uh, gets right to business right at the beginning of his letter when he starts saying, hey, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, and he just kind of moves right in, no real introduction on it. But in Paul's writings in particular, you can look at Paul's writings and from the very beginning of Paul's writings there in the book of Romans, and you can go Romans and right through First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, right on into Thessalonians, all of those. Paul uses the same greeting, the same greeting in every one of those. He writes, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. However, when he gets to the writings to the two pastors, Timothy and Titus, he adds a word to his greetings. To those guys, he writes, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Personally, I think it's because Paul understands that we as pastors need a lot of mercy. We just need that uh, in our lives. John, in his second epistle, he writes very similar to Paul's greetings. He writes in Second uh, John 1, verse 3, he says, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. We can look at Peter's writings. Peter gives us a bit of a change as he writes the same thing pretty close in both 1st and 2nd Peter. In 1st Peter he writes, grace to you and peace be multiplied. In 2nd Peter he writes, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Personally, I love this idea, this thought of being multiplied to you. That these blessings are multiplied, just what Jude declares to us here in the second verse. He says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And you might think, well, yeah, so what? I mean, added, multiplied, what difference does it make? Well, let's assume for a moment, if you would, that you are coming to my company, which is a new startup company, and we don't have very much money to begin with, but we need to hire some employees. And so as we're negotiating your salary, I tell you, well, listen, we have one of a couple of choices that we can do with your salary if you're willing to work with us on this. Now, we'll start you out, because we don't have much money, we'll start you out this week at $500 a week. But then next week, we'll add $50. The next week, we'll add $50, and so on and so forth. For the next 10 weeks, we will add to your salary. Well, that might sound like a pretty good deal to you. I said, or, if you'd work with us, there's another opportunity. We'll begin you out, we'll start you out at $5 a week, just $5 a week, but I'll double your pay every week for the next 10 weeks. Now, you're probably thinking, hmm, now, which one would be starting out at 500 That sounds pretty good. Until you really look at the factor. If I add $50 a week to your $500 a week salary, at the end of 10 weeks, You'll be making a thousand dollars a week. Hey, that's not bad pay, no matter what way you cut it. But if you take five dollars and double that every week, at the end of ten weeks, you'll be making five thousand one hundred and twenty dollars a week. 
Now let me ask you, do you want your blessings added or do you want them multiplied? I want them multiplied myself too. Because I see, man, it, it's, it, it is great to have the blessings of God, this mercy, this peace, this love added to me. But man, having it multiplied, multiplied. I, I like uh, the Phillips translation also. The Phillips translation puts it this way. May you ever experience more and more of mercy, peace, and love. The NIV says, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. In abundance. Let's look at this idea of receiving mercy for a moment. It's the mercy of God that we're speaking about. More than anything else, this is what Jude would be speaking to them, that mercy of God. It's that kind of mercy that allows us to be able to continue even when we've failed. Even when we've stumbled along the way, the mercy of God coming to us that allows us to get back up and continue on in our journey and in our walk in faith. It's the mercy of God that gives pardon for our sin, isn't it? It's mercy that shows compassion, that shows the kindness of God. When a criminal comes before the court and he knows that he's guilty and everyone else knows that he's guilty, what does he do? He goes and throws himself at the mercy of the court, hoping that he'll find mercy on the other side of the bench. Again, desiring that mercy. We know that when we go before God, we find that mercy. It was the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant where the high priest once a year would take the blood of the sacrificial lamb on that day of atonement, go into behind the Holy of Holies, and there on that mercy seat of the Ark, sprinkle the blood of that lamb for the forgiveness of the sin of the entire nation of Israel. In the Old Testament, that mercy is described as kindness or loving kindness. The word that's used in the New Testament, it also has the idea of Pity or compassion. The Lord does have pity on us many times. And there's a lot of times we need him to have pity on us, don't we? And we definitely need his compassion always. Mercy is one of a multitude of attributes of our God. Moses speaks about this and he comforts the people of God in Deuteronomy when he declares that the Lord your God is a merciful God. The psalmist declares in Psalm 62, To you, O Lord, belongs mercy. The Old Testament prophet, he professes, Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Our God delights in mercy. Now, I don't know about you. But I'm glad to hear that this morning. I'm glad to hear that in my life and in the multitude of other lives of folks that I know, that our God delights in mercy. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that our God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We can find comfort in the fact that He is a merciful God. James reminds us that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Beloved, we don't have a God that's up there with a big stick waiting to whack you every time you get out of line. We have a God who has a great heart and a strong hand, 
who when we stumble is willing because of his heart to reach down and lift us up and encourage us. We could take the rest of the entire service just speaking about the mercy of God, speaking about the abundance of that mercy and how that mercy works in our life. It's a really good thing to know about the mercy of God. It's a powerful thing. It's beneficial for you. And as a matter of fact, I would encourage you to take the opportunity personally to do a private individual study that deals with the mercy of God. So many times we can look at the wrath of God. But you know what? We need to be encouraged by that mercy. As a matter of fact, the Word tells us that it's His kindness that really draws us to repentance. It's one thing to, again, fall before God because you fear the destruction of this mighty and this awesome God. It's another thing to fall before this God because you're overwhelmed by His mercy and His kindness. Do that study on the mercy of God. The next word that Jude uses in this blessing of mercy, peace, and love be multiplied is that word peace. Peace. Everybody needs peace in their lives. And yet not a lot of people really truly have real and true peace. Some people think that peace can be obtained. Man, if I just have peaceful thoughts, if I can just visualize peace in my life, then I'll have it. We lived in Sedona for a while, and the whole thing there was visualize world peace, and you're just going to, well, I like the bumper sticker that I saw driving around, and I always wanted to get it and get a shirt that matched. Had a picture of a food blender, and in that food blender was a can of green peas, and the statement says, visualize world peas. Okay, some of you might have got that. Maybe some of you did get it and you didn't laugh anyway. Peace doesn't come by imagining it. Peace doesn't come by visualizing it. It doesn't come automatically either when there is a removal of conflict. Just because there's no conflict doesn't mean that there's peace. All you have to do is think back in our country, for those of you who remember the time of the Cold War. There was no war going on, but there was no real peace going on either. We look even today at the situation in North Korea, and though there's no quote-unquote war going on, there's no peace there either. Well, in people's lives, that's the same way. You may be absent of any direct conflict that's going on in your life, but the question is, is do you really and truly have peace? In your life. True peace is both external and internal. And you know what? Peace needs to be purposefully pursued. I want you to say that with me, if you will. Peace needs to be purposefully pursued. Now, try that three times real fast and see how that... The truth is there. You need to pursue peace. As a matter of fact, the psalmist declared to us in Psalm 34, Depart from evil and do good. Seek after peace and pursue it. You need to work at having peace in your life. And that peace only comes when we truly have that relationship with Jesus Christ in our life that's an ongoing and growing relationship. Isaiah speaks that, Our God of peace is the one that we come to. He speaks of our God in peace. He says, you will keep him 
in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So in other words, our God of peace will bring about peace in our lives when our mind is stayed on Him because we trust in Him. One of my personal favorites are the words from Micah the prophet. He speaks about a time of peace that's going to be coming once that final reign of Christ comes about. And he speaks that at that point in time, nation shall no longer lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war any more. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. It's going to be a time of peace. What was the angelic message on that hillside outside of Bethlehem? Remember the angels declared to the shepherds, they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Our God is a God of peace. He desires us to have peace in our lives. Paul makes so many references to it all throughout his writings. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. He speaks of our peace and he speaks of our God of peace. It's an important factor in our lives as believers that we be filled with that peace. Jesus even told those that would follow him, As believers, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives that I give to you. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace of Christ reigning and ruling in our hearts and lives. The necessity of that. The blessing of that. Paul reminds us, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians chapter 4. What a great understanding that is. I want to know if there's anyone in here this morning that has anything at all in your life that if you would let it, it would be something that you could worry about, something that you could be fearful about, something that you could be anxious about. Anybody at all in here have that? Okay. Some of the rest of you, how many of you are fearing that you lie too much? No. I think every one of us have that opportunity just by life. Life brings so many things into our path that, you know, we could be fearful of that. We could be anxious over that. We could be troubled over that. But the Word of God says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. What do you mean I'm thanksgiving? What do you mean I'm going to thank Him for this? No, what you can be doing is thanking Him that He is the God of peace who reigns and rules over all of His creation and even the situation that you're in right now. And because He is the God of peace, He can bring that peace to you when your mind is stayed on Him. He is the God of peace. And as I come before Him, that peace of God that passes all understanding, we don't know how in the world it can, but in the midst of all that I'm going through, in the midst of all that you're going through, you can still stand firmly founded, 
firmly standing in the peace of God, and it passes all understanding. The world will look at you and I and say, man, I don't know how that lady can have the peace that she has. I don't know how that man can maintain the peace that he has with everything else that's going on in their lives, and yet there seems to be this steadfastness within their lives. Beloved, that's the peace of God that needs to reign and rule in our lives. It needs to be multiplied in my life so many times. Lord, don't just add it. I need it multiplied. I need it in abundance. And I believe that one or two of you also probably need that too. And again, we could go on and on about the peace of God. It's Old Testament. It's New Testament. It's, it's promised. It's delivered. It's seen. It's hoped for in so many places within the Scriptures. But you know what? Until and unless you know the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ Himself, you can try all you can. You can focus all you want to. You can visualize world peace all you want to. You're not going to have peace in your life, not true and complete peace, until you know the Prince of Peace. Let's move on. The last of Jude's blessing or greeting, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Again, this blessing of love. Love, again, is an attribute of God. And as a matter of fact, even non-believers speak about that particular attribute of God. And yet, when they use it, more often than not, they use it as a weapon against the gospel. Well, if your God is a God of love, then why does he... And then you can fill in the blank. Because you've probably heard it before. If you've ever tried to share Christ with someone, many times those detractors to the gospel will say, well, you say your God is a God of love, or I hear your God is a God of love, or your God is supposed to be a God of love, then how come all of these things, how come this situation, how come that, how come that? I share with people the truth of the proverb that says that a fool can ask more questions than a wise man can answer. So many times you just need to move on, move on, continue just speaking the truth. The problem is, is they don't know the God of love. And because they don't know the God of love, they'll never understand him. And they'll never understand that all of his attributes work together in perfect harmony. Yes, he's a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. He's a God of mercy, but he's also a holy and a righteous God. Yet all of these things, none of them trumping over any of the others, none of them outweighing any of the others, none of them having mastery over the others, all of them working in perfect harmony and in perfect union together, all of the attributes. The love that Jude writes about, and again, the attribute of God that comes from the Greek word agape, agape. Unfortunate thing in our language, in the English language. We can love our hamster and we can love our wife, can't we? We can love the Diamondbacks baseball team and we can love our children. We can love a good cup of coffee in the morning and we can love our God. Problem is, is many times it's about the same. Shouldn't be the same. Shouldn't be the same. Shouldn't be the same attitude. The unfortunate thing is in our English language, we don't have that many words to, to describe the difference. In the Greek language, they did. They had at least four different words that they used in explaining or speaking about love in their lives. 
Of those four, only two of them do we really see within our Bibles. One of those Greek words that they use for love in the Greek language, not not used in the Bible, is the word eros, and we get the word uh, erotic from it, and it speaks more of a sensual, more of a, a physical attraction type of love. The other kind of love that's not mentioned in our Bibles, but again, within Greek literature we find it, is storge. And storge is that familial type of love. As a physical brother or sister or parents to their children, storge is that kind of love. But the other two kinds of loves that we see throughout our Bible, one of them is phileo. And phileo is that brotherly kind of love that's not necessarily a physical brother, but as a brother or a sister in Christ. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have a Saturday evening and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Remember, at the website, you'll find quite a bit of information about The Open Word and a link to the church website. So log on to TheOpenWord.com today and get to know us better. We wish we had more time today to share more of David's message from the book of Jude. But we've run out of time for today. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God richly bless you.